They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Shooting the Shit with Chippa. This episode is the first episode, God, I've recorded in quite some time. And the first episode of any of my shows I've recorded since the live Talkbuster podcast recording that happened in Salem, Mass., which you'll hopefully be hearing um, either right before or right after this episode airs. I'm hoping to get that stuff up there pretty pretty quick. Um, and my guest tonight has been on before, um, which is great. I always love having people back. So before I get into revealing who it is we have on the show tonight, um, I'd like to do some housekeeping. Um, again, uh, as always, I thank my $15 or more patrons, which are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hey Mom, and QK Campbell Jr., goes as Green Goblin. And I've got some new patrons since the last time I recorded, Alex Shaw, Andres Rodriguez and Skullface. So thank you guys for for joining in in all of the fun, and um, I hope to you know make your money and time worthwhile. Um, and as all of these shows are brought to you by somebody, today's show is brought to you by the other podcast that the folks over at Geeks with Shields do. So the Geeks with Shields folks are your place for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. And Slagathor from over there on Geeks with Shields runs her own podcast called Geeks Who Haunt. I've been on it a few times. It's fantastic. It's a horror movie focused um, review and discussion show. So please check that out if you uh, if you get a chance. And with that, I will introduce my guest the second time on Shooting the Shit with Chippa, my guest from episode 12, Ryan Horton. Ryan, introduce yourself, good sir. Hello, I'm Ryan Horton. I'm glad to be back and nerdy as ever. Yes, staying nerdy, staying true. So figured I'll, I'll start us out this time um, with some right quote wrong movie because I haven't played it in a little bit and you actually get the uh, crowning um, glory of being the first person remotely to ever play it with my newly printed out homemade deck version of it which was unveiled at the live recording of the Talkbuster podcast just two three weeks back so um, do you have your uh, photo of your cards good sir I do. All right. Awesome. So with that, I will draw our first card, and I'll just randomly cut this blue deck here and draw one up. And we have Interview with the Vampire. Oh, boy. Oh, that's that Nicolas Cage one, right? No, that this was Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Oh, Tom Cruise. Oh, oh, right, that one. <laughs> the Lestat. Um, what's it? Uh, Queen of the Damned. Do you remember that movie that Aaliyah was in? Like right before she died, which was really sad, and she was awesome in it, but the movie was terrible. Do you remember I, that one? I actually don't think I've seen Queen of the Damned. I think I've seen the character design. So you have to see this movie. It's well, like people remember things from like the like the late nineties, early two thousands, um, like you know, Blade and uh, the crow you know these things have like this very like edgy particular feel this movie it it looked like a nine inch nails music video which <laughs> is fine but you know that particular look and the score was not done by corn the score was done by jonathan davis of corn ah uh, so you kind of get where the edge they were going for here was and like he wrote these like really like whiny angsty songs that then other artists re-recorded for the movie. So like you had songs written by corn, but sung by disturbed. <laughs> and so it was just like, it, it, it like, it's such a time capsule of what? Uh, and it's the, se- and, it's, like... and it's the sequel to interview with the vampire. Okay. <laughs> As a random aside. So I will let you go first, sir. Um, throw me a quote. And uh, I, I take it you remember how to play. Yes, yes. All right, so- just checking. For, for those of you out there that don't, um, if this is the first time you've ever listened, thank you. Um, the idea of this game is it's played like Cards Against Humanity. We draw the name of a movie, and we have a handful of quotes that are not from that movie. And we have to come up with a quote that is funny. Or ironic. So you're going first. Hmm. Playing to interview with a vampire. Right 
Got one. You got one? Okay. Well, I got our number. How do you like them apples from Goodwill? Per perfect. I've got, I'm a teen idol, damn it, from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> I don't know. I like yours a lot. I could see, I could see Goodwill hunting being redone with vampires. <laughs> I, I don't know which I'd prefer because yours just inherently sounds funny. Like, just... Yes, it does. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from that movie, actually. All right, so I guess that's an even split. So one-to-one, -one, and now we've got Misery, the Stephen King classic. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what Misery is, right? Yes, I, I know. All right, cool. This is. Is this is only fun if people know. I actually got some feedback from some friends that said a cool way to um, enhance this game is on the card with the movie on it, not mm -hmm. the one with the quote, to give like a tiny like synopsis or like a famous thing from that movie or like a couple names of the characters, just so, you know, some people might not know um, which Batman movie the Dark Knight was, right? But everybody knows Two-Face and the Joker, you know, so you could like do that to, oh, okay, yeah, I know what we're doing. So then you can go, okay, I know that character, so I know what quote would be funny if they'd say it, you know, just a way to help make the game have more mass appeal. Okay. Uh, just, just thinking about that one part in misery sends shivers up my spine. <laughs> oh yeah. So, did you find a quote? Because I've got one. If you don't, I've got a quote. All right, go for it. Say goodbye to your two best friends, and I don't mean your pals in the Winnebago. <laughs> oh god, I, I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> um, I've got life's not about how hard of a hit you can take. It's about how many you can take and still keep moving forward. Rocky. <laughs> I don't know. I think I got to give it to yours. And, and the implications of yours are terrifying. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. So two to one for Ryan. All right. I, I like playing it this way so much better. <laughs> I don't have to, like, have a spreadsheet open. Yeah. Yeah. This is so much. All right. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Ooh. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, I actually quite enjoyed it. I really, I loved it. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect anything out of it, and it just I, floored me. I didn't expect anything out of it either, and then Kevin Hart got exploded by a cake, and so... <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the trailer for the new one? Oh, yes. It looks wonderful. Whoever thought of let's have Dwayne the Rock Johnson do a Danny DeVito impression the entire movie, like like they deserve a bonus. <laughs> Did you see um, Danny DeVito and the Rock have been sharing back and forth like factoids that are made up about the movie? Like, I, I the have not seen this. So D Danny DeVito shared um, fun fact. <laughs> All of the rock scenes in this movie are actually played by me wearing a rock skin suit. <laughs> and the rock's like, you weren't supposed to tell them about that. <laughs> oh, God. It's just horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, what do I get? I think I, think I got one for that. All right, go for it. All right. It's not a man purse. It's called a satchel. Indiana Jones wears one. From The Hangover. One of my absolute favorite quotes from The Hangover. God, I, I love that movie, and I will not let its sequels ruin it for me. Because I, I still think The Hangover is incredible. Um, I have, ooh, what a lovely tea party. <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> I, I think I gotta give it to you on that one. <laughs> so you know what that means, right? Tiebreaker? That, that means we need a tiebreaker. Oh, goodness. <laughs> this is this is a first. Um, all right, let's see. I'm gonna cut this thing down. Good. Desperado. Mm. 
the Robert Rodriguez Classic. All right, I think I got one. Okay. You've got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Punk. All right, <laughs> and, and mine is, don't point that gun at him. He's an unpaid intern. <laughs> the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. <laughs> I think you take this one. <laughs> yep, I did it. Woohoo, I won my own game again. Yay. All right, so that's that game again, and I got to tell you, it's even more fun playing it with the real cards. Oh, yeah. It feels more tangible. I wish I could, like, I don't know, FedEx you them, but then, <laughs> but then I wouldn't have them anymore. I can't believe I got them all back playing them live. I thought, like, people were going to take them as souvenirs or something. Uh, <laughs> that That's not uh, completely unexpected for something like that. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I can't wait to show the video off. The bartender made up themed drinks. Ooh. Yeah, dude. It, it was it was a lot of fun. But anyway, so how have you been since we last had uh, had the fun of talking on this forum? Good, sir. Uh, I've been good. I've been delving into a new project of mine uh, lately. Um. And in addition to trying to catch up on so many shows. Nice. Have you seen um, The Dark Crystal? Uh, I just finished episode five tonight. <laughs> I just finished all of it yesterday. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because um, the night, uh, like the Monday after it came out, um, I watched episode one. And I had actually never seen the movie before. And then I decided on a whim to check in and see if Netflix had the movie. I'm like, oh, it's the movie. I'll watch the movie. It's, it's, it's amazing how good of a job they did at recreating that look. I, it, uh, it I just is. didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. When you finish it, it immediately plays this documentary about the making of, of the new show. And just listening to the people talk about it, like the production team and the actors doing the voices, just like th they go through all of the, well, we tried doing it CG just because, you know, it's cheaper. Um, like, you know, that they, they had like the team that did the troll show that Guillermo del Toro did come in and they were thinking about doing it that way. Way back in the day, Jendi Tartakovsky was going to do a version of it, so it was going to have like that Samurai Jack kind of look. Ooh. And then they moved away from that. I guess I guess he's still credited as a producer because he had done a ton of work on it. But um, they they did the the CG, and then they said, okay, you know what? We're going to build a Skeksis. And so they made like Chamberlain and had a Chamberlain puppet run around, but chase around a digital Gelfling. Mm -hmm. And they said, and they said it just, the Skeksy looked so good that it made our digital creature look less good <laughs> by comparison. So we just decided, you know what, it has to be puppets. And what they ended up doing was speaking of Robert Rodriguez from um, the Desperado, Rodriguez had actually been a, a big um, torch carrier of this where augmenting things with digital effects so the majority of your shot the majority of your character is real so if you use an effect to like make like a gun blast more horrific or make a um gore effect more horrific that's better than doing the whole thing in a computer and cheaper right because right you can do it on a budget so they said um the people they had hired to do the cg mock-up came in and said what if we tweak it just a little bit so they said everything on screen is almost always full puppetry unless it's obviously a CG character. But they said we do things with the eyes and with the eyelashes and with some facial features just to augment them a little bit. And they said all of a sudden it looked more fluid and, and they're like, you know what, we found the perfect way to meld this together and kind of make it accessible by a nowadays audience but still remain true to the craftsmanship of what people expect. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like yeah. you didn't have to, cause, cause the first movie was a big failure. 
you know mm-hmm. the, the fact the fact that it became such a big cult deal was not the original reception no one no no one wanted it you know it was such a strange shot in the dark um for Jim Henson and uh man did th- this whole it, it just keeps getting better and better let me tell you 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 don't even know where it's going yet and yeah being, so- being someone who loved the original movie so much i felt that at least for like the first few episodes it kept me guessing i was like wait a minute how are they going to get to point b like i know where this is going i know all the secrets and mystery that this is trying but i'm still interested to get there and find out how they get me there and let me tell you, they they leave it wide open for more. They don't yeah. just go. They don't just go and end it at the Dark Crystal movie, which I think is great. Yeah, um, I, was, I was hoping that they actually wouldn't do that, mostly because it is a show, and I'm like, I, I could do with a few seasons. Of oh this. yeah, oh yeah, dude. It it it's just I feel like, and I'm I'm glad that you went and checked out the original movie, but I feel like you almost don't need to have seen it to appreciate it. It just adds to it. Which oh, yeah. I can't, I can't think of another prequel that's really done that. It's usually just either a boring, oh yeah, I've seen this coming a mile away, or so different that it's not good anymore. Yeah, that that's that is true. Like even of the three prequels that I do like that the internet decided not to like in Star Wars. Way oh, back. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about those at all. Cause, yeah, cause yeah, I'm... I know. I know. <laughs> Pre- prequels I... always have that problem because because you already know where point B is. Right. And becomes the new point A and you're like, okay, how do they eventually get there? And with Dark Crystal, um, I'm kind of thinking because after seeing the movie, I'm like, Okay, is the eventual plan to like remake slash redo the Dark Crystal movie, but it has, but it's like a new ending kind of deal? Because God, I hope not. Or because the only other option is like you either go all the way and then you redo Dark Crystal again, just with all this new tech, and maybe uh, like it's a completely different like universe type of thing or you're going to have a Jim Henson puppet show have one of the darkest endings ever outside of dinosaurs oh let me tell you (laughs) without spoiling how this one ends um, if you go from the ending of this and they do nothing else and then you watch because I watched the Dark Crystal today after ending this show they the way they start the dark crystal is basically telling you what happened after the end point of this show just in quick words and it's enough to make you go oh motherfucker if they do a second season i'm going to have to watch that like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. cuz cuz they end this one in a very hopeful place and so i love that they do that because people that have not seen dark crystal are then going to go and watch dark crystal and immediately go, Oh God, when they make a season two, what the hell uh, you're, you're going to make me watch that. You're, you're going to make me watch Gelfling genocide. I can't wait. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Cause that's what happens. Every character that Jen runs into in dark crystal goes, I thought they murdered all of you. <laughs> Just like, Holy crap. And the only thing that's got me thinking, Maybe they have a completely different endgame in mind, like starting out as kind of a prequel thing, but it's not really kind of like the Planet of the Apes movies were, the recent oh. ones. So uh, Agra you... constantly is like Agra mentioning, I see many paths before me. Do so, you uh, want to know something without me spoiling a plot point that might tell you differently? Or do you want to wait and find out? <laughs> I, I think I'd rather wait and find out. Honestly. Okay, I will just say there's something coming down that I feel definitively answers what direction they're going in, and you send me a message when you think you see it. Okay. Because cause let, let, let me say, have what happens in episode five? And spoiler alert for everybody that hasn't watched the Dark Crystal show yet, but what happens in episode five? Huh. 
It's the uh, group uh, Dreamcast. Oh, they they just did the Dreamfest, like with yeah. everybody. Okay, yeah. so so they all haven't met yet. No, they all haven't met yet. <laughs> okay, yeah, then then yeah, okay, cool. Just checking. <laughs> it it just keeps getting better and better and better. I I I love the mythos they've added. I love that the Skeksis all have names. Mm-hmm. Um, like they 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 do that with a couple of them in the original movie, but you know, you, you they all get named. They all get individual characters. I think um, Sean. Not Sean. Um, yeah, Sean of the Dead. What's that actor's name? Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is an incredible choice for Chamberlain. Hell, the voice cast in this is perfect. Yeah, I mean, whenever the scientist showed up, I'm like, hey, Mark Hamill's in this. Right? Oh, and he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. The scientist is a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me tell you, dude. <laughs> They're all fucking bastards. Well, oh, they're, they're the worst. I, th- I think I saw uh, movie, your brother, Movie Bob, tweet that they're basically like just a bunch of Ramsey Boltons from Game of Thrones. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I actually watched, I read a review with a critic that just found this so off-putting because of how sadistic the Skeksis were. And I'm like, have you seen the original movie? <laughs> like, that's the whole thing. <laughs> they're just jerks. Like, that. that's... Oh my god. Yeah, and that's and that's why I'm probably going through the series more slowly as I need something to counterbalance how awful they are, which is Oh, why and it just keeps me. getting worse. They they just keep as, as soon as they realize they don't have to like pretend anymore. Oh god. It <laughs> like when all the tradition and everything gets dropped, it's just like, "Oh Jesus Christ." everyone's going to die <laughs> and and not in like a quick way, like in a sick, twisted, like play with your food kind of way. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and you, you haven't like, you've probably looked at the voice cast, but there was a very concerning actor that they bring in to me that I thought was going to take me out of it. And this person is perfect. So if you haven't read, there's a couple of surprise voices for some characters that, I was taken aback that they hired them, and I was kind of blown away by how good they were, to tell you the truth. Hmm. If you haven't seen, I, I won't. I won't. I, I, I haven't. I haven't taken yeah. a look at the voice cast. <laughs> yeah, it's, they, 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 they did a really nice job. Um, and it, I, I was like, I saw it, I'm like, that kind of sounds like somebody. And I went and looked it up, and I was like, oh, no shit. Wow, good job. <laughs> Instead of like, you know, like, had it been someone like a Sasha Baron Cohen, who I'm sure would have done fine too, it just would have been too obvious. Yeah. You know, he kind of takes me out of stuff, unfortunately. Um, or like, you know, oh, a Taika Waititi, that would have been kind of funny. That would. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would love to see his take on this material too, but did you know the, the same guy directed every episode? Um, the Louis Leterrier, who did. Um, one of my favorite Jet Li movies, or at least American Jet Li movies, um, uh, Unleashed, the one he did with uh, Mario there, <laughs> Bob Bob Hoskins. Have you seen that? I actually have not. Oh, the movie's incredible. But, like, he did that. He did The Transporter, and he did um, The Hulk, the uh, one with um, Edward Norton. In the MC. Edward Norton. Yeah, and then it's like, and I guess the Henson Company invited him in to like, you know, as a, you know, he's known like a journeyman director who's just really good with big productions. And apparently he showed up and was just a super fan. He showed up and he's like, well, if I did a Dark Crystal, I'd do this, this and this. And they go, oh, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Lewis is on board. All right. <laughs> and they just went from there collection of projects right it's a weird collection of projects and then you get you know jim henson's daughter and louis leterrier and then the guy who created the books and the artwork all together making this new series on top of the crazy ass voice cast that they got yeah and and i love how the the voice actor and the puppeteer get dual bit, billing with each name yeah that's that- that's really cool too yeah, that's and, good. And they said, you know, the the 
puppeteers did the voices on set. So, like, the actors had, like, an inflection and stuff to go off of. So I think that's really cool, too. Okay. Kind of like, um, what's his name there? Sean Gunn being a stand-in for Rocket in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just, I, I, it, it's, it was fresh in my mind, so I felt like talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so like what's... There's like three things that are fresh in my mind right now. It's a uh, Dark Crystal, uh, Lord of the Rings because I just watched those last weekend, um, and all, all of them or just uh, or just the Lord of the Rings. All three of them over the course of the three day weekend. Oh, that's awesome! I there, it you know I don't hate the Hobbit films as much as some, but they're not very good, um, and. I watch this Dark Crystal thing and I just go, oh, I just wish this could be The Hobbit. Like, I want to watch this Dark Crystal show just in one sitting in a movie theater. (laughs) It's just, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And watching the first episode of this, I felt like when, when the opening of Fellowship starts and they just do that whole opening with Galadriel telling you about the history and... I sat there in the theater with my brother and we turned to each other and we're like, they did it. Like you didn't have to see anything more. It's just like, this is it. Yeah. And I sat there with this dark crystal show and I just felt the exact same way. Like 15 minutes into the first episode, I go, you gotta be kidding me. Like, it's perfect. My childhood is on screen right now. Like it's in that moment. You knew they stuck the landing. Well, especially when like, when they're down in Groton and, and, um, those worm creatures are there and I'm like, Oh, okay. They're CG. But then as soon as they get close up, they're puppets. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like yeah. they, they did it. <laughs> like they merged it. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So what else you said you had a project you were working on? Uh, yeah. Something you can talk about or no. Uh, it, it is. Uh, I actually was trying to post the first chapter of it, uh, yesterday, but the place I was going to post it, um, Turns out I can't. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm writing basically a cathartic uh, Superman story. Nice. Um, a, a pro Superman story, and it's unfortunately a dark one. I don't have a problem with that. What What was the reason why, that you couldn't post it? Um, it uses real historical people in fanfiction.net. Like, that's against their terms of service. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I started reading it. I'm like, oh, now I can't post it. And, and I don't want to change the names of anybody involved because it has to be them. No, right. Of course. Of course. Well, I, uh, I would imagine you'll be able to find something. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking into a few other places. I mean, if push comes to shove, I'll put it on DeviantArt, I guess. Right. Right. Well, I... Please send me a link whenever you add it up. I would read the hell out of that. Um, I still, I am a weird type in that Superman is my favorite superhero just because of my childhood love of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. And I don't have a problem with Dark Superman. I have, I my biggest problem is Dark Superman unexplained or unwarranted. Yeah. Like, I remember getting to the end of Man of Steel. Did, did we talk about this before? I don't think we've talked about Menace. Yeah, I I, rem- I just can. It all is a blur to me now, so I don't want to like bore you. But I I remember getting to the end of Man of Steel and thinking, okay, that wasn't a perfect movie, but I really dug a lot of what I just saw. And if the next film you give me is Clark Kent having realized how to be Clark Kent, like if this was the origin of Superman realizing, hey, this planet is weird. Fitting in here is weird. I'm going to have some strange moral and ethical things that I need to figure out how I actually feel about them. And his arc in that whole first movie was him getting to that point. Sweet. But mm-hmm. instead, but instead, we got Batman versus Superman. So yeah. it, it's like I don't really have a problem with Zack Snyder's take on Superman. I have a problem with the fact that we didn't get the fleshed out next Superman movie that I wanted to see. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. And... Heck, a Man of Steel has uh, 
individual art objects, the throwdown in Smallville and the final battle. Oh, yeah. Are like two things I've always wanted to see. And I mean, it is basically Superman by way of Dragon Ball Z, but the comics for decades have basically implied like that's what's gonna that's what's going on here anyways. Oh no, I I loved the visual look of that film. I really dug. I loved all the new Krypton tech. I actually liked how Krypton looked. I liked that we got a version of Krypton that's wholly fantasy. It's like, wow, this is this is awesome. Give me more of this. This is super cool. I um I loved that when Zod and his ship show up for the first time, it's like a goddamn horror movie. Yeah. You know, with like the lights being affected and everything. I'm like, yes, yes, more of this. I just I have a problem with Superman killing in cold blood if he doesn't learn something from it. Yeah. That's that's my I don't have a problem with him doing it. I have a problem with we didn't get we didn't see the fallout of how that affected him. We just saw now I'm Mopey Superman. I'm yeah. like, no, no, grow, dude, grow, learn. <laughs> yeah. That and that's and that is one thing I'll say, because I've like talked with a few people in uh, my DMs on Twitter about it. Um, that that kind of is where the story eventually is going to end up. Like, I don't know how long it's actually going to be, but I do know what the ending is. And it's mostly just for my own, uh, <laughs> my own catharsis for. No, that's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. What's um with I don't Agoffs, I don't want to blow it for you. Um, but what what's your hook? Like, what's the what's the Reader's Digest approach that you're taking to it? If you want to talk about it, if not, we can change the subject very quickly. Um, the Reader's Digest version is Superman in Trump's America. Oh, I want this now. Can you just download this into my head? <laughs> I want this. This is this is going to be a tough read, and it's probably going to make me angry. And I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. God. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, my, my mind's gone to a dark place. <laughs> oh no, dude, I'm psyched. This is awesome. Oh, I'll I, I would read that in a heartbeat. Hell, I'd adapt that into a movie in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, speaking of that, did you see Brightburn? Oh, yeah. I, I loved Brightburn. I, I want to get the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it's I got out of it and thought like people would be way more jazzed about it than they were. And like a lot of my friends were like angry at me for liking it because they knew how much I liked Superman. And I go, OK, Brightburn, does it go to every possible place that that movie could go? No, it scratches the surface of it. But man, was it really freaking cool to see what if Superman was basically Jason Voorhees? Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, I liked that. I, I thought I thought the parents were really well acted. They didn't have very deep story arcs. But as a father, as someone who's like like bringing a child into the world and having those questions about, hey, is the way that they're acting normal? You know, this and that. And seeing... I, I believed that these parents, like would out of love for this kid, you know, like overlook some of this stuff. It's the same thing with the Omen and movies like that, right? It's like you don't need a ton of other context if you're just going to make a lean little disturbed freaking movie. And I I liked it. I guess people were, were upset that it wasn't anything more than what if Superman was bad. Yeah. And I'm like, but I liked that about it. Like, I liked that it didn't have to have another hook. That it was just no, this kid is pure evil. We're not really sure how it might. He might be under control by his planet. He might just be pure evil. You're not really gonna know. And it kind of reminded me. I, I had watched um. There, there's the the Brendan Brendan, um Foley and Agnew. They do. Uh, oh, I think Brendan Foley works for Synapse and does the two cents cinema thing that I've contributed to. And I I very shortly after seeing Brightburn saw the first Child's Play. And that's the same thing. It's a killer doll movie, but it's very lean. Like they have like this voodoo stuff and all this, but the movie's like 75 minutes long and it's just swift and it takes you there. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't do some deep takedown of consumerism and toys. No, it's just a killer doll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was enough. And yeah. man, I think 
if if the drive-in like midnight movie sect was still a big thing, I think Brightburn would have cleaned up. Oh yeah, it probably yep. just should have been a Netflix movie. Probably, but I, but it at least made its money back. So I don't know. Maybe they'll make a sequel, or maybe. Oh yeah, because it was what it was. Bloomhouse that produced it, wasn't it? Yeah, they spent nothing on it. Yeah, <laughs> and and I could see them like Bloomhouse. Going, hey, hey, what if we like started just doing superheroes, but they're horror and they're all like pastiches of ones that everybody knows. So like we started with Superman, we implied that there's like a weird witch version of Wonder Woman and some kind of Lovecraftian version of Aquaman running around in our world. Right. You know what I think would be a really cool take would be a Green Lantern. Ooh. Just like that completely spun around. I, I don't know why, but I just, I think there's a lot of untapped evilness, but Aquaman, that would be, ooh. ooh. Yeah, I, I'd probably do Aquaman before Green Green Lantern. A, a Lovecraftian Aquaman directed by Guillermo del Toro. Hey, I mean, no others, no studios green lighting at the Mountains of Madness, so might as well do a cheap one for Blumhouse that kind of is like that. Oh, fantastic. I'd watch that in a second. <laughs> what else? I, as would what, I. What else have I watched recently? Oh, I watched, um, I haven't seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but I watched um, the last I think it was the last movie that director made. Um, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. Have you seen this? I actually haven't seen either one of them. So do, do you remember the book series, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? It was like that scholastic book series of just old-fashioned creepy stories with wicked sketchy imagery in them. Do you Sad remember these? Sadly... I don't because they weren't in my orbit at all as a child. Like I don't even recall seeing them in any libraries that. Okay, I... well, well, we'll look it up and then realize that about a month ago, Guillermo del Toro produced a movie version of those books that was basically he did the exact same formula they did with the Goosebumps movie, which is a manuscript. A bunch of kids uncover it and they read it and the shit from the book starts coming to life. I haven't yep. seen it yet, but I've heard it's a home run. Just like yep. really well done. But I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, the, the guy that made the autopsy of Jane, Jane Joe made Troll Hunter. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very movie illiterate with this guy. No, 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 it's OK. <laughs> so Troll Hunter is just one that like all like my like, you know, underground cinephile friends are like, you got to see this thing. And it finally came on Netflix or something and I watch it, but it's this cheap Norwegian movie maybe um, about it's a found footage movie about people that stumble upon actual trolls like just big ass, you know, live under bridge trolls yeah. and it's a horror flick and it's really well done. And then he did this movie, the autopsy of Jane Doe and man, I fear for how scary stories to tell in the dark turned out because the autopsy of Dane Jane Doe is fucking insane. <laughs> but it's really simple. But the concept is this coroner played by um, it wasn't Brian Cox, was it? Yeah, Brian Cox um, and his son are, you know, they, they run a coroner business out of the basement of their house. Right. Right. And they basically do stuff for unexplained deaths in the local town. The sheriff brings the bodies by and they do the cause of death findings out. Well, mm -hmm. the sheriff uncovers this crime scene where a bunch of people are dead in a house and they're locked in there from the outside. So they're like, okay, all these people are dead, but how they did, did they, they thought it was a murder suicide. And they're like, no, it looks like whatever they were doing, they were trying to escape something. And then they find a corpse half buried in the basement of a young girl and this young girl comes onto their autopsy table and weird shit starts happening. Like lights start flickering. And then, you know, as they're doing the autopsy and then like blood in the freezer will ooze out onto the floor and the corpses start disappearing from the vaults, you know, down there and walking and around out as fast because they have to be around dead bodies all day. Exactly. And so 
it just gets weirder and weirder. And I know some people don't like it because its reveal is a bit heavy-handed of what's going on. But being from the part of the country that I'm in, if you can kind of get where I'm going with that, mm -hmm. the, the reveal for me was a kind of a, all right, guys, good job. <laughs> you, you know, that that was unique. I haven't seen that. So I, I highly, if you, if you like horror flicks, I, I recommend that. Well, horror oh. flicks do interest me. And I, since I've moved out and are not really tied to seeing movies with my folks, I've been wanting to dive into more horror movies. Yeah, that one, I'd recommend that one. That one was cool. It was, it was very, very simple, very cheap. You know, the, just a couple of people in a room the whole time. But it, uh, it definitely amped up the creep factor. And then the reveal worked for me. For some people, it was like, okay, how does this person really know this? But it's like, eh, you know, I trust that Brian Cox has seen some shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it reminded me a lot of uh, The Innkeepers. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Um, can't say that, that. that. That's another cool one. It's kind of like The Shining. Okay. Um, I think that was a found footage one, too. To tell you the truth, it might not have been, um, but that was—I forget who did that one. Anyway, yeah. So what? So you said Lord of the Rings. You're working on your Dark Superman, um, and Dark Crystal. What else, man? What What else you got going on? What else is interesting? Uh, all the anime ever. <laughs> all the anime, yes. All like of the anime. What have I seen? Have I caught any anime recently? Probably not. And that's a bummer. Yeah, because there's some really good ones on Netflix. Yeah, hit hit me with something. Oh, I did watch I did watch the Castlevania show, which isn't really anime, but it is kind of. That uh, was very good. Anime. That that was pretty good though, and I guess that that animation company is doing the new He-Man with Kevin Smith. So that's pretty yeah. cool. I don't know if you heard about that. That That's pretty cool. Um, but uh, now one of the uh, anime that I watched a week or so back, and I've rewatched it since because it's only 11 episodes, um, is one called Anohana. Okay. Um, it's actually the primary screenwriter for that is Mario Kata, who uh, directed that... Uh, movie i mentioned the first time we yes talked yes the, the one you the yeah. one you sent me the link to yes yeah um this was like her this was one of her uh bigger i made a name for myself things where she wrote most of the screenplay and characters yep and the best way like the best way i could describe it if i were to do one of those things of describe a show badly is um the Goonies grow up and are haunted by a ghost of one of their members. Okay, I want this now. Yeah, it's um, about a group of kids living in this small town in Japan. They're all in high school. And one of them is, uh, having, is seeing uh, his childhood friend who has been dead for five years. Oh, this is making my hair stand up. All right, keep going. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the thing is, it's not even a horror thing. It's really a getting over trauma thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they were a group of like six friends that called themselves the Super Peace Busters. And one day she died and they all drifted apart and none of them have dealt with the trauma properly. Some so, some of the best stories like that spawn from that kind of stuff. Yep. And so this ghost has a wish that can only be granted by all of them together. So it's up to the main hero to get the gang back together and figure out what this wish is so that they can put this trauma behind them and have their friend finally rest in peace. And I'll be honest, it, uh, it, brought lots and lots of tears to my eyes like the final episode is you just need a box of kleenex just on your lap yeah is it um so its arc is finished in the 11 episodes it's just yeah. like a self-contained thing yeah self-contained quick 11 episode binge and it is done oh i'm on it i, I think i'm gonna start watching it as soon as we 
log off here. Just send me the link. That that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, um, that that is one of my uh, that's one of my new favorites, and I just watched it like two weeks ago <laughs> for that's the first awesome. time. Um, but it hasn't all all been the sad anime because I've also been catching up with some of the older stuff via Funimation. Like I finally watched uh, Outlaw Star for the very first time. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, and it, honestly, as soon as I finished watching it, I'm like, I got to thinking, you know, people give Guardians of the Galaxy, like, they, they say it cribs a bunch from Star Wars and pulp sci-fi and, uh, like, Cowboy Bebop, but it cribs a lot of stuff from Outlaw Star more than anything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. D- d- Mr. Gunn was definitely a huge Outlaw Star fan. Like, you can tell. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Like, after finishing, I'm like, he was really big into Outlaw Star, wasn't he? Oh, I watched so much of that show. <laughs> and I know it's been, like, years and years and years, but I do kind of want them to make a second season. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That would Which, be great. I guess there's been talks of like them trying to do like a continuation movie or a second season or whatever but i i do need that in my life especially more asia clan clan the cat girl i loved her (laughs) yeah i do i would oh that was my buddy jared used to um because this is back when you like he had all of cowboy bebop and outlaw star just on like bootlegs and we used to mm-hmm. just get together and watch it all. I remember because we went and saw the Cowboy Bebop movie when it came to Harvard Square, to the cinema there. That was really cool. Oh, nice. That was a that was a great thing to see on the on the big screen. That was a beautifully drawn, animated. That that, that was a cool show. I, I liked Cowboy yeah. Bebop a lot. Yeah, I need to get the Blu-rays for that. Yeah, that was it's it's definitely worth it. I think. There's another series I need to get the Blu-rays for, mostly because uh, the streamed version of it is a censored version. Oh, really? No, it's not one of those shows. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But I mean, like that. It just annoys me when they do that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, this one's actually on Hulu. It's another like quick binge. But I know you like horror. Oh yeah. And this one is called Another. And the best way I describe it is. Uh, Final Destination, the anime. Yep. This was written... You sure I didn't write this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it takes place in a tiny, tiny town uh, where some tragedy happened like 30 or so years ago. And now a class is cursed. And every so often, there'll be like uh, something that they call the calamity just starts happening. And basically at least one person related to that class within like two degrees of family separation drops dead a month. Oh and boy. It's like, and it's like horrid stuff, like uh, kind of almost like Omen stuff, like a tractor is not put in park and it plows through a building and crushes someone or an elevator just uh, breaks and it falls down the shaft. Oh, Jesus. Um, and it does not skimp on the gore at all, which is where it uh, a lot of its censoring comes in. And it's not even like uh, like just a big black blob. It's more like shaded out black gradients, kind of where a majority of the gore is. Yep. So, so you can still get a good picture of it. And the first major death in that still makes my skin crawl. Nice. I am looking at it right now. Oh, you're looking at another? Yes. This oh, God. Is right up my alley. I think my buddy Sarus at work told me about this show. For and he came about it the same way. Hey, you like anime? Hey, you like horror? <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, it's like uh, it's not like Final Destination or some of the slasher movies where they're all college age, uh, college age assholes that you kind of want to die. They're all like 
high school or junior high students and they all just want to live because they're kids and they and it sucks that this is all happening to them that's awesome i uh that's wild speaking i i I keep going you got me on a horror kick which is fine (laughs) i uh i did a geeks who haunt episode for their second season which hasn't aired yet um on tucker and dale versus evil have you ever seen this thing uh i haven't even heard of it oh so so let i'll give you the tiniest little blip but it's on netflix you have to watch this thing it is probably one of the most perfect meldings of horror and comedy i've ever seen um it's right up there with like the evil dead sequels you know just the the amount of slapstick and silliness but check this out for a premise these two guys named Tucker and Dale are hillbillies, or as the mm-hmm. geeks with um, ha- geeks who haunt people put it, Hill Williams, because it's classier. <laughs> um, they're just going out to a cabin that they've bought in the middle of this crappy wooded area in hillbilly country, and they're literally just going there to have a nice weekend. The guy bought this place. They're going to go clean it up, and they're going to fish and drink beer and have a good time. These group of dumb college students are also coming to go camping in this woods. They have particular preconceived notions about the hillbillies and the hillbillies have particular preconceived notions about them. One thing leads to another and the kids start dying, but they keep, but they keep dying by complete stupidity. (laughs) Like, like, like one of the deaths is the the guy Tucker, I think it was Tucker, is using a chainsaw to clear some brush behind the house. And he cuts into a tree stump, and there's a hornet's nest in there. So the hornets start buzzing all around him. So he comes running out from behind the house holding the saw. The kid thinks this crazy hillbilly's chasing me down. So (laughs) the two of them start running. They run side by side and get this look like a slow motion, like, huh, look at each other. As the kid gets impaled on a stick. Accidentally. <laughs> so the Tucker and Dale like calling the police. I don't know what's going on. These dumb college students show up and they're just murdering each other. We think it's one of those suicide packs or something. <laughs> but the kids keep seeing each of their friends dead and think that the hillbillies are murdering them one by one. Oh, it's God. genius. It, it's so well done. And yeah. it's really stupid. And it's really funny. And... Tucker and Dale actually are really like endearing, like nice characters. So like, like there's a scene involving a wood chipper. You can imagine. Oh, and God. they're, they're covered in blood and each holding a leg as a police officer comes up and they just turn as one of them wipes the blood from their face and goes, Oh officer, we have had a day. <laughs> You're just like, all right, this is such a great movie. I have added that to my list on Netflix. I'm, I'm definitely giving that a watch probably this it's week. It's wonderful. I, I hope they make another one. It, it's just, it's so well done. And it's a very unique concept. You, you mentioned Final Destination in, you know, in that show. And I remember when I saw Final Destination in the theater for the first time, I had, uh, I had broken my leg. This is like the, the summer that turned me into a film nut. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, my my brother i mean everyone knows knows my brother but i you know i grew up watching movies with him but when it really clicked with me that i had the same love that he did was this summer i broke my knee playing basketball it was the summer between freshman and sophomore year of high school i had to have my leg completely straight out And this cast went from my ankle all the way up to my waist, basically, almost. So I had could only go in my mother's minivan because I could sit in the middle, the middle um, uh, seat there. And so we'd go to the movies and the local AMC, which was a Lowe's at the time, had a set of seats, not not the handicapped area seats, but a set of seats that had a instead of having seats in front of them, they had like a pole. So I could put my cast up on the pole. So we'd always go. I basically saw two movies a week with my mom that whole summer. 
And so that was the summer that ended with the sixth sense. You Ooh. know what I mean? So that was a current, like it was, and her and I saw the sixth sense. And I remember being in a full theater crowd and you, you, you've seen it, right? Uh, it's been a long time, but I actually have seen but, it. So. But, but, you know, okay, because I, you know, and spoiler alert on The Sixth Sense. But <laughs> I remember her turning to me right after the first scene. Now, we, again, this is like the early doldrums of the internet, you know, movie stuff, right? This is, let's see, this is the summer. This is the summer after um, uh, episode one came out. So, yeah, this is like the early days of Ain't It Cool and... You know, so there wasn't a whole there wasn't a whole lot of sites out there that were, yeah, you know, bo- spoiling movies for people. And so my mom and I went and saw this. Oh, you know, it's a cool looking movie. And she turns to me right after the opening scene and goes, I bet you Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> and I look at her and I go, you know, you might be onto something there. And then the movie systematically sets up scenes to disprove that intentionally. And I remember being like, wow. Like, I I just want every movie to be like this, to just be like that in tune with where the audience is going to go. And and one of the movies we saw, think about this for a double feature, Final Destination in Pitch Black was a double feature. We got one. And I remember thinking Final Destination was such a unique take on on horror flicks, you know, at the time it was Mm -hmm. still the dumb teen movie, but I just liked the idea of the actual literal angel of death running around, killing off these kids. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is quite a dumb feature. Yeah. (laughs) Crap. I was going to say something and now I can't remember. And I hate it when that happens. I'm sorry, dude. No, I, I I had like something in my brain in response to you, and now my brain doesn't want to bring it back. <laughs> That's a bummer. Well, well, I, I am gonna say that um we we have been going for about an hour and it is late for me, so I oh. was gonna say you know I, I was gonna say pull out pull out one more one more topic if you got one, and then we'll and if you want to plug anything and obviously I would love to have you on again. Um, cause I have a blast talking to you, but, uh, yeah. what, 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 what else you got? Uh, I don't think I got, uh, anything else, uh, this time. Uh, okay. no, no last minute topic. All right, cool. Then, well, um, oh. is there anything, anything interesting you want to plug or a shout out or anything? Uh, yeah, I think I will, uh, I'll plug my blog if that's all right. Absolutely. <laughs> As it were, um, so you can find me at Twitter at Real Ryan Morton, and I have a blog um, that's called Geek Brain, or you can find it at RyanMorton.wordpress.com. I'm also it's also the pinned tweet on my Twitter, and I occasionally write movie reviews and think pieces. My latest of which is uh, an end. It's called Endgame and Fat Shaming, a Thor retrospective, where I basically talk all about Thor and the MCU and how Endgame is not uh, exactly clear-cut on if it's fat shaming Thor or not. So I agree with that. Yeah, that that's that's been a on the fence thing for me since I saw it. So yeah, and that and that's why I uh, wrote that. So yeah, I, that is the stuff that I'm plugging and. Keep an eye on my social media feed for when I eventually start posting these chapters for my Superman project. <laughs> nice. Um, you, you made me think of something when you said uh, the end game thing. Did you see <laughs> the incredible middle finger that Sony pulled on Marvel with their cover art for Spider-Man Far From Home? I don't think I did. <laughs> so they used... You, you know what happened, right? They they split up and Sony has yeah, yeah, Spider-Man I'm, again. So yeah. the cover art for the box is completely different than any of the posters. It's just like a close-up of Spider-Man's face. It actually, not only that, it's a close-up of Spider-Man's face and has him in like that stealth armor mm-hmm. and one half, like Two-Face, probably implying that they want people to think it has something to do with Venom, which I just think is really funny in and of itself. <laughs> 
But then the quote they used from Peter Travers is a quote, like the whole quote is no end game for Spidey. And then there's a little blip at the bottom that says, you know, he's flying high because this was the movie after Endgame. But the no end game for Spidey is in huge text. (laughs) And it's just like, hey, fuck you guys. And I'm like, oh, that's brutal, man. Oh. Oh, that 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 is a good note to end on. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, dude, thank you. And um, uh, this it was really a blast to get back into this. Thank you for being my first guest in a while. Um, yeah, no problem. And uh, dude, um, go go onward into the night and have a good night. And thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa. And I'll I'll talk to you very soon. All right. All right. All right. Later. Later. <laughs>